Till Death Do Us Recap. I'm Britt. I'm Tim. And today we are recapping Married at First Sight, Season 14, Episode 9. Is love on the table? Is love on the table. But before we jump in, um, we've about doubled our listeners in this new season, which is so exciting and fun. And we felt like it was a good time to sort of reintroduce ourselves. We are approaching almost a year, and it felt like a good time to just be like, hi, you should probably know who we are. So Tim and I have been married for nine and a half years. We've been together for over 11. And Tim, what do you do? I'm a teacher, high school teacher. You're a teacher, and I am an actor, social worker, now in creative development of reality TV production, which is a crazy turn of events in the a last renaissance year. renaissance woman of sorts, <laughs> you are. Yes. So we have, that's our background. And we came to this because we are obsessed with reality TV and would find ourselves, especially in the pandemic, especially towards the beginning of it, just watching boatloads of reality TV and screeching with each other. <laughs> and we decided we wanted to be talking to more people than just us. So that is how we are here today. This has been like a super fun, unexpected adventure in our marriage, wouldn't you say? I would say so. It's all <laughs> bare bones over here. We do the pod from, I mean, we started the pod from a tiny walk-in, tiny closet. walk-in closet with no AC Um, which we potted through the whole summer doing two episodes a week and melted. And now we've leveled up and at least have microphones. But we went from the couch in our L.A. apartment to now, as some of you know, we are temporarily living with my parents to save some moolah since December. And so we are doing this from the comfort of our bed. Yeah. It's super high-tech over here in the studio. Super high-tech studio. (laughs) We don't have kids except our two doggies, Frida and Moon. Which are like our our children. Yeah, they are. Okay, great. Now you you kind of know us a little more. We're not just two screeching people. Um, (laughs) With that said, thank you so much to everybody who has started listening. Everybody who has kept listening all the way through. And everybody who has started listening recently, um, we love we love getting to like engage with you guys online and hear what you think and feel like we're not just talking into the void. It's it's fun. So with that said, this week was another week with no experts. Yeah, um, it's in and- between. So we got experts what two weeks ago. Yeah, it's been too long. And then Dr. Viv is going to do all her intimacy stuff next week. So, yes, they're on their own. This, from what I gathered, covers days 17 to 21 of marriage. Mm -hmm. So uh, we go up to the three-week anniversary. Some big things were said on this three-week anniversary. We will get to all of that. It was very, like, romance, date night, love centered um i feel like other than my frustration because i felt like we needed experts desperately this week with like the depths that we were going to with these conversations and the activities um but yeah they were on their own 
Yeah, like <laughs> for some heavy, some heavy stuff. And beyond that, though, I feel like I have had some shifts in how I view some dynamics here. And I feel like I got some clarity this week. Like I saw, you know, we've been talking for weeks about how confused we are about some situations. And I feel like this week I got to see some stuff that I needed to see to like have a more firm opinion. I agree. I, this... It always happens to me at different points throughout the year. And for the first half an hour of this episode, I was thinking that I'd be okay if everyone got split up. Everyone was annoying me. <laughs> it happens every it happens yeah. every season. You yeah. get hit a point where you're like, I'm just I'm done with this BS. I'm done with yeah. it all. Thankfully, that corrected itself. As the episode went on, I yeah. no longer feel that way. Um, whew, some people are bugging. We need to start with the most highly concerning red flaggy situation that we find ourselves in this week, which is Katina and Elijah Wan. More specifically, Elijah Wan's standards of what he thinks women and a wife is to him and Out how... Of completely misguided it is. Yeah. I'm just bummed because as I think a lot of people felt this way, like you feel a type of way when you first meet Elijah Wan. He's, you know, a little cocky, a little peacocky, literally. And you sort of make some assumptions about him that like, especially after seeing him with like his face and the stripper's ass at the bachelor party combined with like, you just kind of are like, okay, you're kind of douchey. Like, blah, blah, blah. But as the episodes have gone on, we've gotten to see this softer side of him. We've watched him build, like, close male friendships. And, like, we've watched those guys, like, vouch for him. And so he, we've been talking over the last few weeks that he's been weirdly growing on us. And that's been confusing <laughs> um, because we got some feelings of red flags in the beginning. But now I'm like, no, our instincts were freaking right. I don't think Elijah Wan is like a bad person, but I think he's a very misguided, misogynist ass at this point in the game. And like, I'm just really concerned. Like, I feel like we needed an expert step in specifically for this, especially with what we learned about Katina's past more in depth. It's like, are you kidding? So you're just like popping her right back in this emotional abuse cycle with a new asshole? But I, sorry, I, let's. I digress. Let's um, back up a little bit. So. We have this fight, apparently, that occurred. Our first overhead camera fight. Yes, I love the overhead camera. Yeah. Um, I'd love to be the person who has to sift through, like, eight hours of, like, overnight footage Uh to make sure that nothing, like, went down. I know. Um, There's probably so much boredom. Yeah, everything's just fast-forwarded. Yeah, so this fight happens after the housewarming party, but it was about the housewarming party, correct? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, everybody left. Everyone left. And there was a mess of sorts. Olajuwon's like, let's clean this up. Let's do this. Katina only wants to clean up half the floor, which on its face <laughs> sounds extremely petty. Yeah. That being said my feelings of why she does this is because she's tired of getting told 
that she needs to do her part, live up to these standards. This is already going on. It obviously yeah. happens way more in He's this episode. Saying a but bunch this of has shit. been happening for a while. Yeah. And so that's why she's like, fine, I'll only sweep half the floor. If you want to like make me do all this stuff or hold me to this thing, then let's just do everything 50-50. Yeah. Yeah, and then you hear him like, so he's going on like, where's my other half? You didn't help me clean the other night. What do you think your wifely duties are? He came for a wife to help, not to help someone grow as a person. He just, this was even him, I think, in interview mode. Um, He's just like a freaking taskmaster. And then tells her when you don't put that much effort, that shit bothers me, dude. He was just being an ass and like really talking down to her. This so this was them. I think they were debriefing, like, yeah. and they also happened to get those love questions at the door, like, to do that activity. This was all too much for one conversation. Yeah, and then I think that's when we got the flashback of the overhead camera. So we intro with them. We find out that they got in a huge fight the night before. We get a flashback to him yelling at her in the overhead camera, being like, "You care about shit that I don't even care about." Do you even, like, you can't even do a basic thing that I ask of you. It troubles me. And then we intro with, so they're debriefing this fight. And he's like, right away, he's like, he says, so what do you think your wifely duties are? Now, what do you think is the definition of a wife? <sighs> it's just, he's why don't we talk about what, what, what I think a definition yeah, of a husband is? a husband? Is. Huh? Why aren't we talking about that at all? Just because you take out the trash and pick up food does not, and go to work, does not mean you're checking all the boxes of what it means to be a a supportive, loving husband. Give me a break. He's just super talking down to her. He's so condescending. He acts like, I mean, and this is what he acts like through the whole episode, right? We get all these versions of the same horrible conversation, and it feels like it just gets grosser and grosser when he gets, the more specific he gets. But then awkwardly, we have we get these love questions. So they like segue into that. And she says, so what does it take for you to fall in love? I thought it was so funny that like his answer is just devotion. <laughs> and that I was just like, he, he wants to be worshipped. Yeah. He wants to be worshipped and served. That is his expectation of a wife. It's pure devotion. That's it. It has nothing to do with like, who she is, the substance of, of like her character, of anything, <laughs> all the things that make a person a person. It's like, that's not what he cares about. He just wants to be lavished in praise. She says she wants someone who supports her, who's patient, loyal, understanding, someone who wants to be her best friend, which he made a point before to be like i'm not your friend i'm not your blah i'm your husband like like as if like i'm a husband now i'm an authority figure over you you know what i mean like that's a position i've been given now yeah i mean here's all of this everything i feel like what happened was he used to mess around with a lot of people had his come to jesus moment Mm -hmm. and now thinks Rather than that, like humbling him in a way. Yeah. It's I'm going to the extreme. Like, I don't even know what the the extreme of that is. But now it's like I need to 
like I expect the world now. I'm a better person. I understand everything about what it means to be a partner. So selfish. And you come, you have to meet me at my standards. And it's like, how did we get from there to there? I know. Make it make sense. I know. So she admits that she's scared of being too vulnerable because she doesn't want to get made a fool of because of everything that's happened to her in the past. He's like butt hurt that he's never seen her cry. He like makes it like a jab at her. Like I've never even seen you cry. Yeah. So she says her ex, she ends up admitting to him. The reason why I don't cry, if you must know, is that my ex was very verbally abusive and would call me weak for crying, which she was crying all the time because he was so mean. And so then he would shame her and tell her, you better not cry. So this is fucking devastating. She trained herself to not cry because of this experience which I just found so sad. And then he gets in his interview as a response to the playback of that. And he says, you know, it just shows me on the one hand that she's a strong, independent woman, the fact that she trained herself to not cry. And But then it also shows me that, you know, it could that she's sheltered. She's very sheltered. Excuse me, what? are you talking about? Doesn't even make sense. He kind of implies that like, because of this, she might be the crux that of like, what stunts their marital growth. And I'm like, you are straight up talking nonsense. Like, I don't, I don't know how, how, like, we don't need to worship people for being able to do something that an emotional abuser made them do. So like, She's not independent and strong because she trained herself not to cry. Okay. Like, let's be clear about that. She's independent and strong on its face. And she trained herself not to cry as an un, like, as a survival mechanism with an asshole. Yeah. And we don't need to call that strong. That's fucking sad is what it is. And then, but then how do we get to sheltered? Like, please explain to me. No, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And this is the thing, I mean. Is he just using the wrong word on accident? That happened with another thing he said. Like, I think he's using the wrong <laughs> words to describe these situations. Because sheltered. It literally it makes does, zero it, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. So then we have, do you think you're beginning to fall in love? So he gets to control the situation by going, I'll let you go first. Which already right there. If he is a clear indication that he doesn't have something positive to say to follow, right? Nothing or that, is- and that he needs to know what she says to inform how he will be. Yeah, like I'm not convinced that if he had gone first, I mean, he's clearly like he's high on his horse right now and pissy after the last couple days, and he thinks he has every self righteous right. To be in this place that he's in. But I'm also like, you're so much more insecure. Like, you have to act like this big, tough guy because deep down you're super insecure. Like, you couldn't even go first with this question. So she says that she really sees potential to fall in love with him and that she really, really likes him. And I think that she's ultimately scared because of these red flags she she does see, but she doesn't... Like, but every, the good part is so good. And I think that she's sort of teetering on letting herself fully fall because she's like, is he an asshole? You know? So then he goes, I like you. 
But falling in love is a very strong word for me. And I just, you know, I can't even say that love is on the table right now. It's just not even on the table. It's not a bad thing. You're your own person. I'm my own person. The connection has to grow. Standards have to be met. I can't get over that. It has to be done. Standards have to be met? Oh, my God. What what are you talking about? You are I mean, this whole thing, it's- They're all such red flag words, by the way. No, yeah. I mean, he's acting like he is the general manager of like a football team. I know. And has a number one draft pick. And he's putting in all of this like time into figuring out which person he should draft, you know, and it's like, okay, well, I need to see this over time and standards need to be met. Otherwise, you know, are, are you going to be the person I, I signed to a long-term contract here? Right. You know, it's like, who are you, dude? I know. I know. And that he just doesn't stop too. You know, you have to show me your effort with the cooking and the cleaning, which like he implies that she's not making an effort in this relationship, which is so infuriating that you have equated cleaning and cooking with your value as a person, as a woman and as a partner. Well, and, and yeah, she actually, after hearing all of this continues with like the behavior that she's been exhibiting this whole time which is the rose-colored glasses yeah and rather than challenging him in this moment she goes okay i'll express myself more and be less guarded and clean and cook and i'm like what and then he has the audacity after to like cut her off and be like yeah well i mean i'm gonna have to see it to believe it Oh. So many women have said things to me oh my in the God, past. That's right. And so you know, women say a lot of things. And they never take a step forward. So Go I'm just gonna have to yourself. see it to believe it. Oh my God. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. Emotionally abusive, controlling, condescending, talking down to her. He's trying to make her feel small and smush her in a box from 1956 that has been sitting on the side of the house that no one threw away. Yeah. I mean, and let's let's like remind ourselves here that she has not done anything wrong. Nothing. Like nothing that would warrant use. She's not, he's treating her like a teenager who wrecks the car and then is like, so can I borrow your car this weekend? And it's like, right. then you could say, no, some standards need to be met. I right. need to see you take a step in the forward in the right direction. Yeah. She hasn't done anything to warrant this that we've seen. I, I mean, like, I, no. she's made an effort to cook. She, we, we start the episode with her at the grocery store, hoping that Olajuwon isn't going to, like, say something about yeah, the type of grocery. Yeah, she's constantly trying like, to jump through hoops and pass his yeah, test. give me a break. Which, speaking of tests... Let's remember the messed up honeymoon gym test where he thought it was like funny and insightful to be a jerk to her for an hour and a half or whatever with his training session. And then he admits he was testing her, but we never see him tell her that. It's like, no, you play games. You don't think that this is a reciprocal relationship. You think you signed up to be a king and have like a maiden at your feet who solely exists for you. But we're not hearing anything about how you all like about a mutuality to this. About what does she need? What does what can I continue what are his what is her love language? What are her expectations? Never. 
Literally never. A person who had different names for different women in his past is telling someone that they need to take steps forward and meet certain standards. Yeah, the audacity. The audacity. I know. So his big romantic gesture, his romantic date is this fucking cooking class, which, look, I'm all about this as an activity. I'm all about this as an activity. I think that this even could have been done if Elijah Wan hadn't been Elijah Wanning for, you know, and being coming at it from this angle. I think that there was even a way to have made this cute. Like on its face, a cooking class as a couple is a fun thing to do. I think it's a really fun way if your partner is like super like enable unable to cook. I think it's like it could be a sweet way to be like, I'm going to do this thing with you and let's like learn together and get some tips. But that was not the energy. No, he had a clipboard with a rubric on there. Exactly. And then he's like in the interview thing and like he says, you know, I need her to stop waiting for me to tell her something. I want to see that effort. I'm like, Elijah she can't go from not cooking at all to butterflying shrimp over overnight and she even makes the point like this is at the convo before like you're acting like i haven't made you dinner like multiple nights a week oh that was i think this night and he's like well yeah but i'm sorry but it's nothing like this it's like fuck you what is like this right i mean come on there's a reason we go to restaurants yes when we want restaurant level food because most of us normal folk are not making food like restaurant people do, okay? That's why we're not chefs. So, And then he's like diatribing in his interview too about how, you know, she worked on herself independently and he can tell that, but she's not ready to be a wife. Like, is she enough woman for me as a wife? He said those words. He's lost the plot at this point. I mean, mean, everything else was unacceptable, but going to this level, I'm like... Did you miss me with all of Are that? Are you like, enough of a woman for me as a wife? So then they're eating the results of their lesson. Their salmon. <laughs> their salmon. And this mofo keeps coming at her. You know, you're still learning. There's things I expect in a marriage, and I just don't know if you're there or if you're at the baseline I need. I'm trying to figure out. What can my wife do independently? You know, just basics. You didn't apply. You didn't even apply yourself. Again, we've got coach. You didn't even apply yourself enough to my housewarming. My housewarming. No, I wrote life coach. O is is back with a full vengeance in this. Yeah, he's like, not licensed. Just, there's no regulation in the life coach sphere. No, but he thinks he <laughs> he thinks he is. You know, your friends. Br- so then we start getting into the minutia of the housewarming. Truly minutia. Truly minutia. So in her mind, she planned most of it, but she delegated a bunch of stuff. I'm sorry, but that, that is a strong, independent woman who knows how to, to make shit run. She knows how to be like, hey, you're bringing this, you're bringing this, you're bringing this. I'm sorry, but that counts as effort. And that actually, I'm like, that's a smart woman right there. He's going on and on. She's like, what are you talking about? I helped arrange the whole thing. And he's like, no, your friends brought stuff. You know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You could have done more. You orchestrated in what 
he's like, you orchestrated it. But what part did you do on your own? When, you know, when we talk about a wife level, I, at this point I'm writing in all caps, he's, I need to see where you are as a woman. I can't settle for someone if they don't have the basics on being an adult. Is my wife a fast learner? These are the things I need to know. I have to keep you grounded. What are you talking Literally, about? Literally, he's talking at her. He's judging her incessantly. He has twisted everything that he... The irony is, like, there's never any talk of, like... What about the reality that they're, like, in a, in a couple... Both people are good at different things. Everybody has different strengths. Kate, so guess what? What if you are the guy, you're you're the guy that's good at mopping? <laughs> and maybe she's not the mopper or she's not the cook, but you're not the cook either. So like what? So maybe we we learn together. We try a few nights a week and then we also compromise and we order stuff in because we both are not chefs, Mr. Moo. Like few things here. First of all, I would like a peek behind the curtain about what questions were asked of Olajuwon during this um, casting session. Well, this is coming two weeks after Pastor Cal explicitly said. Meanwhile, he even makes reference to she hasn't changed anything since that meeting with Pastor Cal. Nothing. And I'm like, wait. I remember Pastor Cal specifically rousting you for your 1950s bullshit expectations that aren't reality and specifically said that you did not say that these were deal breakers when you were in the audition interview process. So he's just fully talking out of his ass. Yeah. I mean, the whole housewarming thing, I I was just baffled by. It's like, I was just thinking about we've had... You know, we've had, we've hosted and had parties and stuff. And those are always heightened stress times. Mm -hmm. You know, here's the thing. Like, I I could just imagine, like, me saying to you, you have not done enough for this, how that would go over. Uh Um, When you, like, the woman most, not to get, like, too gender typical, but how it's played out with us, Britney's at the house running shit, making sure everything looks nice, making sure we have everything. The man's job, or my job traditionally, has been to be the gopher all day long. Yeah. You understand. You go to, you go pick up the food, you go pick up the blah, 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 you pick up the decoration, you get the thing. I have gone to the same place multiple times on a day of a party before, and you keep your mouth shut, you keep your head down, you get what you need to get because you that's your job. Right. Like, bro, you're not special for going to pick up the chicken. Right. Like, she's at oh, home. Yeah, he was so on a high she, horse. She's at the apartment chicken. making sure it looks good, setting things out. It's not like she's sitting on her phone playing Wordle. Like, come on. Like, this is, yeah. I don't know. Oh, no, you just totally. lost the plot. And with it's everything. like, that's the point. Like, regardless of the gend, the point is, like, in a partnership, different people have different strengths and different roles. And, like, rather than be accepting of what those roles are and, like, embrace them that, like, we play different parts today, he's just angry that he has to do anything, I guess, because apparently 
the only purpose of having a wife is not for a friend. It's not for companionship. It's not for reciprocity. It's for you to be worshipped and served at all times. All day long. I mean, you can't, as we recall, he's married now. I mean, he couldn't possibly just throw some peanut butter on some bread anymore. No. He can't do that. He's lost the human You know what they say. A a man gets married and he can no longer... Butter bread. Butter bread. (laughs) So, I mean, it goes without saying, she's completely broken after this. I'm very happy that she said, I need a break. And she's, you know, considering what we know about what a big deal crying is for her. I mean, something tells me that she's been doing some, having some tears behind closed doors first off before this. Mm. But we see her cry and it's like heartbreaking. And I just feel like I'm watching someone stuck in this cycle with a new person. And it's almost more effed up because it's on TV and experts said that it was a good match. So it's almost like there's a different. I don't feel good about this. I well, don't at all. And I'm not saying that I don't. I believe in everybody's capacity for change on like a very base human level. But I mean, the level of like undoing that needs to be done for Elijah Wan to be put in his place, his proper place in a marriage. I don't think it can be done. I don't month. know. Yeah. I don't know if a couple sessions with Pastor Cal is going to like fix this. A couple other quick things I had on them. Um, During the boys time, you know, of course, of course, something, I mean, a lot of these guys are like great individually. Mm -hmm. They, (laughs) I've talked about it at the honeymoons. They do not give good advice to each other. The bad advice circle is back, but in other years it's been better. Like, and it's I not know, where's like Gail when you need him. It, it so Elijah one's talking about how she's not making the right efforts and she doesn't know if she has Katina has the life skills to be a wife. I know in a different situation, he probably would have left by now. And Michael, I love you, my guy, but he essentially alludes to well, are does she know, are you sure that you're communicating to her what those things are that you need yeah. him to her her to know. And I'm like, this is the worst possible advice. He is beating her like, over Michael, the head. Stop. He's not with... bottling his feelings. He's <laughs> saying them constantly and riding her ass. I know. I'm like, oh, that's oh the my worst gosh, thing that, that you can so say to Elijah. I know. That's the last thing he needs. Anyway, We're trying to get him to zip his lips. But yeah, this couple took a major step back. Uh, I'm concerned because this is not the f- only... Well, and if we're seeing this already and we already had things that made us nervous or uncomfortable, but this is like full bore, like he's spiraling out and he's taking everything out on her. I mean, he's blaming the world on her. And yeah. so I'm just like, this is not a good sign. And I know we haven't seen the preview yet, but we have seen earlier this season, there is some stuff with other guys on her phone that he gets like, and that's down the road. Okay, so... Let's move on to another couple that continues to take us on a roller coaster. (laughs) Lindsay and MTS, also known as Mark the Shark, also known as Mark. So we open with this very, very awkward, awkward conversation that leads into a dinner at home. It is sub-zero temperatures (laughs) in this apartment right now. Yeah. So this is the day after... 
bowling gate. <laughs> Everything can't be a gate. Or it but, can. Or it. it can. Or it can. I think it can on this podcast. Hazmat gate, bowling gate, noodle gate. <laughs> so they're having, I mean, we're being very curt. No one's looking at each other in the eyes. Okay. Lindsay is being very curt. No, oh, for sure. The pettiness of this made my skin crawl. Yeah. I understand she's intentionally trying to ice him out, but just the way, the, 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 oh, it really just irked me. Yeah, I don't, totally. it really bothered totally. me. Totally. And he's like made her dinner and she wants an apology <laughs> from him. Okay. It needs Can't. to be said off the top. Nothing. In this episode, from the hour and a half long episode to the after party in which Lindsay is present, do we address anything that was said in the bathroom? I know. I'm shocked. Well, I'm actually shocked. And it's clear that he didn't, he didn't hear, hear all of it. All of it. I don't um, think he heard the worst stuff. He didn't hear the worst. He uh, obviously, he didn't hear the worst stuff. This is that's some of the most demeaning, vile insults I've ever heard about someone on this show. I know. And you know what? We've praised Keisha for her guidance of after party. Yeah. Why was this com- ignored? I know. I'm disappointed. Why was this? It was everyone just moved past it. I I I'm like this needs to be addressed. And I'm shocked that it has not been addressed. Anyway, that being said, she wants an apology from him. They're sitting at the dinner table. He's negative. He's a Debbie Downer every time they're out. My favorite part of this scene was the silence and Mark just grinding pepper. Which first it started with dousing his steak in Morton salt and then picks up the the pepper cracker and grinds it about seven times the most pregnant pepper grinding i've ever seen in my entire life (laughs) but yeah i i just feel like he can't win with this because she's way faster and better with her words but she twists that scenario a lot and makes it about how he's a debbie downer where's any affirmation any kindness you know i flipped off my switch to you now you're the one who's making me negative and me upset. I've You're... absorbed your toxic sludge for weeks. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not satisfied. You're so concerned about how you're being affected. And I've been put second. I was like, you are so up your own ass. Like, I can't. She feels unappreciated, uncared for. Why am I here? Why am I trying so hard? What do you even like like about me? Like, she, she just doesn't stop. Doesn't think. He asks her if she was out of line lot the night before at bowling. Mm-hmm. She says no. I know. How? How? You're pissing everyone off. You're drunk. You, in front of him, he verbally, he audibly hears you make the low blow about the mom. Right. Not to mention what you said in the bathroom, which he doesn't know. But everybody else does. Everyone else. I mean, all of America knows. I just. Yeah, it was it was pretty twisted. And it's hard because you can see how in real time back then when he hasn't heard everything in the bathroom, she could more successfully twist this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
And look, I still, I think that like, it's interesting. We do keep getting it brought up that she still feels like he gives her nothing when the cameras are gone. It seems like particularly the last week and a half have been really bad. I mean, I find that all compelling, but I can't help but like always come back to like, well, your behavior has been so continuously hard to follow. Like you're not quite safe because you could explode at any minute and throw something in my face that like I kind of still get like I don't do I think it's it's not cool for the sake of the experiment to be like disappearing until cameras are there. I don't like that on principle. He's not not staying in the apartment, though. Right. I guess she's just implying that it's very, very drastic. She's and implying I that he's that. a different person when they're yeah. not on camera. But then I'm also like, if anyone had reason to shut down, it would be him with you. Well, her whole thing is she wants these affirmations. She wants this positivity and these affirmations. I'm sorry. It's very difficult to be giving someone a consistent affirmation if their behavior is vile. It's trash. Like, here's the thing. You go help him. You take a day off of work. You put your hazmat suit on. You go to your, his cock, cockroach-infested place or bed bugs or whatever and help him out. Later that day, you're going and getting, like, like, I don't know, later that day, you're going and getting smashed and getting into fights with everyone and calling him out, and I realize those aren't on the same day. What do you think is going to get remembered? Like, right, being the asshole is going to get you remembered, not doing, like, normal partner duty. I just... yeah. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to be getting affirmations if your behavior is trash. Right. I know. And I, then so he, I don't feel for her in this regard at all. He says, well, and then he puts his foot in his mouth, which she's always going to seize on it. If, you know, I think you have an incredibly loving side buried deep inside of you. <laughs> I, I was 1000% okay with that. Comment. You have a tough exterior. She's like, oh, buried, buried. I'm insulted. I'm insulted. He's like, wait, why? She's like, because what? It's buried so deep. <laughs> um, and he's like, our communication together has to improve to get to the next week. She has less hope today than she ever had before. <sighs> so is this? Yeah, now so, we're on to burger night, romance night. Yeah. So one the thing questions. that cannot be cannot be overlooked is the fact that she, and I quote her, I am bending over backwards to be kind and gracious to you. Are you kidding me? I know. Are you kidding me? She's so, like, she's also very, she can't get over how much she helped him with shitty things when they first got back from the honeymoon because she's just like, it's so soon. Oh, and she's throwing it in his and face. She, it's she like, thinks she needs an award for it and hasn't stopped talking about it since it happened. Yeah. Which I, if I was Mar uh, Mark, I'd be taking mental notes like, don't let her do that again because yeah. she's never going to shut up about no, it. She needs a star chart and then I'm on never, the fridge. Seriously. And then I'm apparently never allowed to get upset at her or call her out on anything real because apparently, like, helping me with life things is, like, what, your token to be a dick? You know? Yeah. So then we're we're doing these awkward love questions, which, like, I mean. And this, talk about the past. They get into past. Yeah, yeah which yeah. this is, like, not a great time to be having this talk. And I it was this way for multiple couples. Yeah. 
So they're having this romance convo about love and he's nervous because he doesn't want to be put on the spot about, do you love me? Because he certainly doesn't. We find out he's a serial go back to your ex guy when you get bored with the next one and realize what you were missing from the last one. I was like, oh no, MTS, do not say this. I think they have a fundamental, I think there's a different, um, different definitions of, of what's going on here. Like, I, I think there's a communication breakdown on what he's trying to say and how she's taking it. What do you mean? I don't. I'm with Lindsay on this fact. I think this is an alarming fact. He admits that he tends to get with the next person and then realize pretty soon that, like, this person wasn't better than the last one. And then he starts fixating on the ex and how they were really the right one for him. This He literally described it as, this is what tends to happen for me. So then he wants to go back and date the ex. He's a serial get your eight, your ex back person. And then we find out no, after yeah, you're party. Right. I'm on, I'm on, I, I don't know how I read, I read that wrong. You're correct. Then we're on after party and we find out that he hasn't been in anything longer than two months in the last 10 years. Oh, that's problematic. Including he's been with, I mean, who knows with Lindsay, she made it seem like all of them were people that were taken it might have just been one but like one of them had a fiance and that he's like regularly a side piece to other people so i mean i do find these things concerning yeah i i think i was still just upset with Lindsay. totally and i think that the way that she even the the way that she responded to him first starting to talk about this annoyed me like it, it, she, she kind of jumped on him and it was way. Yeah, and so I think that that kind of made me naturally side with Mark without really thinking about what he was saying, but I (laughs) I amend my statement. Okay. I mean, I personally am with her on this of like, she's like, I'm more of a person who's like, oh, that didn't work out and it wasn't supposed to and we're moving on. Not like, oh, what did I let go of? But maybe if you're only dating people for two months, two months, two months, serially over a decade... I mean, of course you're missing out on the realness of who they are because you never get to that point. And it does, like, I do have to say, a little side note, he only, I got from this, like, oh, you're used to falling for people once they push you away. Mm. And could make a lot of sense with, like, his background and could make, I mean, it's interesting, like, Lindsay's icing him now. And now he's like suddenly, you know, then we go to this date and he's like googly over her. Mm -hmm. And we're hearing sweet things that we've never heard him say. So I don't know. If anything, it just made me think like, oh, Mark, maybe you're more of a mess than I knew as well. But he basically makes it clear he's trying to ignore the last two weeks as a whole. Because that was my favorite. That was my if, he, if there's any chance for them, because anytime he starts to thinking about it, he gets redistraught and has no interest in engaging in the relationship. Mark had some gem confessional talks. Yeah, he had another one earlier that was hilarious. Um, but yeah, <laughs> if I think about the last two and a half weeks, it will only be negative. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> what a great cornerstone of marriage. I know. Oh man, uh, sushi date. 
Yeah, so we so go from thoughtful. her saying, I'm shut down now because I feel rejected over the last 10 days, to suddenly we're on this, like, romantic sushi night. And, yeah, he's being thoughtful. He booked it. He's never eaten sushi. He's terrified of sushi. Never even had a California roll. He was... the. My guy was lost at the table. Very He's lost. He's like, what are these wooden sticks? You've probably been him before with me, but you were in your 20s at least. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I I think the only fish that Mark likes is goldfish. And I have <laughs> I was waiting for him to ask the wait staff, like, you guys got any uh, cheddar blaster, extra <laughs> cheddar blasters back there? You, you guys do goldfish here or just raw fish? <laughs> So he is, he then makes a point to like bring up, he notices that she's been very consistent with him, even when he's pulled away, he's going to try not to pull away. He's going to try not to hurt her anymore. I was like, eek, big promises, Mark. I just thought, I just was like, this apology is bullshit and unnecessary. And I can't believe that you're capitulating, Mm. capitulating to her needs. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, he's That's clearly having a moment after whatever those exercises were. And she basically had her saying that she's been feeling like rejected and unappreciated. So he's having an emotional moment and he's like, oh, my gosh. Like, he definitely, like, believes her to some degree, you know, and that was what this night was about. And, yeah, he validates her and says, like, you're deserving and worthy and. I mean, I thought it was really sweet. It felt like the first time I had seen him talk to her that way. Um, And clearly it was meaningful to her because she cried and it was like, oh, is this all she's wanted? And like, she's just going to go psycho until she gets this kind of affirmation. But it's hard because it's like chicken or the egg. Like, why should she get affirmation? Like we've talked about when you continue to be a jerk. It's like, it's so hard. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe my analysis on the on them right now is off because I'm still ha- having I'm still having residual anger from last week and anger that it wasn't addressed this week and anger that Mark has to do the apologizing after what totally. we heard. Totally. It, it, it's just the way that this couple bounces back and forth between like I'm turned off to you. I'm back to, I'm at 1% of my yeah. like for you. Yeah. And then we're go-karting together and racing each other. It's like they have massive fights. Yeah. And then two seconds later, they're fine. I know. And Michael and Jasmina disagree about what color like the should go on is. the wall. And they drag that <laughs> out for two and a half weeks. Days. You know, it's just like, can we find some middle ground here, people? I know. It's so true. So they just stress me out. I I mean, I don't, yeah, I just feel like they're both messy and maybe they're on it. I just, yeah, I'm still mad at her too. And I, I was literally like mouth agape when I heard her like expecting an apology from him after that night. I, I'm just like a little bit worn out with everyone's like lack of self-awareness and like, but like thinking deeply that they are very self-aware and like actually being self-righteous about it. The things that p- these that some of these people think they're owed is baffling to me. Like, I know. Th- th- it's just 
baffling to me. You are on the show matched up with, because your way hasn't been working and you wanted to do something different mm -hmm. and you've been expertly matched, expertly, quotation, matched. And yeah, you're right. The self-righteousness and the thing that you, the things that you think you're being owed after such a short amount of time is just boggles the mind, if you will. I will say it is hard because as it's like making a marriage work is all about slash any long-term partnership. It's all about like, it's that weird sweet spot of like taking care of yourself as an individual while also putting as much energy as you can into like loving your partner. And hopefully if you guys are both having that focus, then you're both serving each other. And there's like a mutuality there. Well, and there's but a way to talk about having high expectations of your partner. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, totally. There's a way of talking about it without demanding apologies at every turn and talking about standards, throwing the word standards no, totally. into every sentence. What's hard is there's also the element of marrying a stranger. And it's very hot. Like when you are starting from zero, which I thought Keisha did a really good job of articulating this in After Party, like it is a uniquely difficult thing because you have no foundation, no mutual friends. So like in a normal relationship, you would be, I mean, you have to assume the best, right? Until they give you reason otherwise. And you hope there's something to base that benefit of the doubt on. But when you're starting this blind, it, it really makes it hard to not be looking at the person. Like, do they check off my list? And am I seeing red flags? And is this person like, like, should I be freaked out or scared or seriously disturbed by any of these things? Because it's accelerated and all I have to go off of is what's in front of me. And I just, I do think that like the format of the show itself, the things that make it so fun to watch and cool and fascinating are also what make it like uniquely strange and difficult be, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right no, yeah. And with an accelerated process and the stranger aspect of it, you want to kind of set a tone so that six months to a year down the line, you haven't established these patterns that aren't going to work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like nobody wants to be Tinder swindled. You know, you nobody wants to find out like the second week of the Tinder swindler <laughs> making it into the pod. Nobody wants to find out in six months that like their person is truly a psycho and like those instincts they had on that one day were absolutely correct. But they, and they married yeah. a monster, yeah. you know, yeah. but I guess that's the whole point is like you can't know and you do with this process. You have to throw yourself in 100 percent head first because it's the and yes, you're risking a lot, but it's the only way to find out, which brings us to Jasmina and Michael. Oh, this was a this was oh. my own personal roller coaster. Yeah, I'm also tired. I was like, Jasmina was driving me up the wall. Yeah. Um. So, Michael plans a little park picnic. Mm -hmm. 
does all these very thoughtful very thoughtful does all these adorable gets all these gifts for Mr. Feeney which she definitely thought were going to be for her yeah and she wasn't like <laughs> she was like I thought oh, oh I thought there was in her confessional yeah I thought these were going to be for me but they were for Mr. Feeney which is actually even better. And I'm like, it was not better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't pretend like you don't want those gifts to be. But the for you. homemade bandana was pretty freaking adorable. Yeah, the bandana. I mean, the, the thoughtfulness. Of yeah, that. and it's it. You know, taking he's taking a different approach than Steve was a couple weeks ago to the dog. Yeah. Just fully going in on Mr. Feeney. So, <sighs> Michael proves how in my mind, good of a person he is and how self-reflective he is by making a good, an effort in good faith to figure out how he can communicate more effectively with Jasmina. And we finally get, so for weeks, we have been saying, if what we are seeing on screen is the whole of it, then Jasmina is out of her mind with what she thinks is a tone. but Or aggressiveness. Or aggressive. But if there is this secret Michael, which I'm sorry, if you've watched enough seasons of this show, you know it is possible. If there is a secret Michael where when daytime cameras are gone, he's an aggressive, actually yelling asshole. Like, we've been like, how are we supposed to know? We haven't seen it. What if what she's saying is true? Then, like, we actually have a Mayday on our hands, right? Like, we have a Katina Elijah one, if even, if not worse. I think that we got our answers at this picnic. Ooh, you do. Okay. I do. I mean, there's still, like, a little bit of doubt for me because I'm always worried if someone says that someone is, like, being aggressive and mean and stuff to them, I'm always going to be, like, concerned about questioning what they claim. Yeah. But I do think that we saw what she thinks is tone. So he brings that up. He brings up, you know, there was the couple times on vacation. And, like, bless him. He's so sweet and formal with the way he broaches everything. And I think that he needs to work on that a little bit because he just takes everything so seriously. It's like, ugh. He had an amazing monochrome button-up short. Oh, loved it. And then sandal combo. Yeah, that, so cute. That look won the week for me. So cute. So she's, she, he asks, you know, we've had multiple circumstances. What's the best way to communicate with you? She's like, I mean, the best way is for us to just converse like this, you know? I mean, like we are right now. And he basically is like, okay, well, I guess, I guess when I think about it, I feel like when I look back on those scenarios, we were both speaking in a more intense tone and I'm trying to fit. And she's like, well, I wouldn't have gone there if you didn't. So I wouldn't have had a tone if you didn't have a tone. And this is another problem I have. Like, yes, tone is real. Yes. We can say a lot with the, like Keisha said, we can say a lot with the way we say things regardless of volume. However, I also am going to get suspicious if every time someone disagrees with you or challenges you, we call that unacceptable, disrespectful tone. And that is what I am putting together. Mm. So she suddenly gets snarky and she gets, I I just feel like he is so humble in this moment. Like I am, I am here to like 
take in, like, if you have something to teach me that I don't know about the best way to communicate with you, I want to know it. And she's like, it's basic knowledge, how to have a conversation. I mean, I mean, how do you not know just how to have a conversation? And this is so condescending. And then exactly. And then he's like, no, well, I think that he's like, what you, what you think is basic knowledge might not be basic knowledge to everyone. And so that is why. And then she cuts him off. Oh, okay. You need to calm down. You don't, you're getting a tone. I mean, wow. I mean, can you, can you, and that's when he is just like totally flummoxed. Bless him. It needs to be pointed out. Bless him for. I mean, he stayed so calm. uh, There is nothing more. I mean, I think one of the most frustrating aspects of interpersonal relationships (laughs) is when you're having a little bit of a disagreement with someone or someone is clearly being condescending to you Mm -hmm. and being sharp with you and takes the conversation to a certain level. And then blames you for it. And then you respond in an appropriate manner and they say, whoa, 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 calm down. Yeah. Nothing will boil your blood faster than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's super upsetting. And I felt like once we saw her say, calm down, you have a tone right now. I was like, oh, okay. So that's the tone that we're talking about? That's the aggressive tone? No, you sound like Alyssa on the side of the tennis court right now. Yeah. I'm sorry, you do. You do. You sound like he moved his arm and you said, look at his aggressive, abusive gesticulation. Like, just absurd. So I am just still really rooting for these two. And so this is like, when I see these sides of Jasmina, I get very disappointed. But then we have this romantic date that she planned. Jasmina's gym. Jasmina's gym. Very cute. And then we get into the straddle stretch connection moment, which I was just relieved that there was any intentionality with an exercise. Like, yeah, she was like, okay, even though I was worried about he looked strained and I was glad when they like stopped leaning over while he was, I was wondering (laughs) shit of his life. I was wondering the exact same thing stretch while he talks about his brother dying. My groin started getting pained (laughs) watching them lean forward and grab arms like this. I know. I'm happy they adjusted. I know. So she basically was like, this is an opportunity for us to look at each other, for me to like really get to know you on a deeper level. I know you have had all this loss in your life. Can you tell me about it and how it feels? Um, What did you, in the end, I think it worked out. And I think that it did bring them closer because apparently another thing that we are like learned from this episode is like, all women, all straight women who see their men tear up feel instantly closer to them. It's like a like all we need is a tear. And we're like, he really teared. And it was just so authentic. And we're so close now. It's just so. That's a great point. And it makes sense, actually. I mean, it's funny to laugh at because it's so predictable. But it, it also makes sense. Like, what? Why? Like, because it represents vulnerability. There was a part of me that felt a little like, really? So we find out that you've barely spoken the last few days since the picnic. 
and you're just like putting him on the spot and now he has to tell you his trauma in a straddle like to feel close but in the end it worked out yeah um i mean it just i i cannot fathom how much loss michael is experiencing in his life i, know. I mean it, it's just uh, i mean it's i i have no words i do think I get what you're saying for sure. I think that it really helped her understand who, what kind of person he is now as a result of those things that he's had to suffer in his mm-hmm. life. That whole, like his whole mindset. I mean, I think it can almost even be tied to that first little stupid fight on the honeymoon about conflict and how he sees the world and like, I think that gave her more perspective. So more than yeah. a tear and opening up about a, a you know a sensitive subject for him, it was m- more I think about learning how the events in his life have shaped the man that he is today. For sure. And how he sees the world, and that I think is going to be Did the help. bigger take takeaway. Yeah. For their relationship moving forward. Yeah. And I did realize we totally skipped over. They did their romance questions before the this gym day. Mm-hmm. And they talked about like how many times have they been in love and that stuff. But he, she asks like, do you think you've been vulnerable with me? And he's like, I don't think there's really been opportunities or conversations for it, which was interesting. And then she said, well, why aren't you trying to create them? And he's basically like, he explains like, it's hard for me not knowing you like to know how to broach that to be the one to first be vulnerable. And I found, I found this whole session a little bit awkward between them. Mm -hmm. And I found myself feeling a little frustrated, like between this and then some things Jasmina said at the girls nail outing. Yes. A little bit like it's all on Michael. Yeah, I agree. It's all on Michael. Like, he has to show himself and make himself known. And if I don't know him, it's his fault. And why hasn't he created the opportunities? Well, yeah. I mean, she was going on about wanting open communication to build their intimacy. I'm like, anytime he tries to do that, you You get a tone with him and you shoot him down. I know. Like, I know. Yeah. No, I agree. That's a great point. Um, Which she did. I'm tired of that. I did. I do think like there was something around the Jasmina's gym thing. She admitted either in the interview or at the nails day, like at a certain point, like after it, she said, you know, she basically said as much like I need to make an effort as well, because like, am I a person making him feel comfortable to be vulnerable? Like, and I need to think about ways that I can do that. Mm-hmm. So I do think that that was part of motivation into like the thing that she planned. But yeah, I mean, the second he was done telling her that devastating event of just his brother's loss, they already looked so much more comfortable and close together. And she was like touching his leg in a way I've never seen him. Grabbing she was like close to him. I was like, oh, okay. So... I mean, I definitely have hope for them. It's been a slow build Very up gradual. since. I mean, when you think from the end of Pastor Cal visiting mm-hmm. to the positive housewarming, like it's a slow, it's a, this is a slow burn. Yeah. I, and I think that Jasmina has more, she is not, 
she's putting too much pressure on Michael to be all of the things. And that's something she needs to work on. But I do appreciate that she can usually come around to seeing what she needs to work Mm -hmm. on. And yeah, I think her expectations are a little too high and she needs to be focused on like, how do I make this man more comfortable? How do I facilitate comfort and vulnerability here and make space for him disagreeing with me or, you know, without jumping on him. But I do, I just, I I have a speck of hope for them. And I kind of, you know how we always talk about how an after party, I, I got the vibe an after party, like they're definitely still together. I did too. And you know what it was? It was her, her talking about the TV shows. Yeah. That was the thing. And I was like, oh. They're together still. She was like, oh, now he, she just spoke so present day. Yeah. Which I, she, I know they're supposed to, but they're supposed to speak in present day as if this is right after the episode we just saw. And she's like, Keisha was asking, what are some nice things that, you know, your respective partners do for you? And she was like, well, he started watching TV with me. And now it's to the point where he asks me not to watch episodes and wait for him. If you have shows together. Yeah. I mean, you've come a long way. You've come a long way. Yeah. Yeah. That good call. I did love how Keisha put, put Jasmina on the spot about her, her ridiculousness at the picnic. She's like, you tell him to communicate and then he does. And you're like, no, you said it wrong. And then, and then you're like, communicate. And Keisha does that really well by keeping it light, but calling people out. Yeah. And I feel like Jasmina received. So I have hope for them. I do too. Feeling good. Last but not least. Yeah, we only have four couples. It's kind of nice. So weird. I we it needs to be said, it was such a relief that we didn't have to see Alyssa and Chris. Oh, I was hoping, but I didn't fully glorious. believe. It was glorious. So Steve wakes up to a scavenger hunt planned for him by Noi, which is so cute. He's very excited about it. We find out an after party that it takes him upwards of two hours to complete this scavenger hunt. Yeah, she thought it was going to take 30 minutes and she was waiting in the park for two hours. (laughs) Steven. Steven, I thought you were like a little more directionally... Not yeah, strengthened. Not I someone mean, you I'm were choosing a nomad to on the go road for months. The only wait, but the, there wasn't really a prize though. Can we just be honest prize. about that? She was the prize on the swing set. She was the prize, and that's cute. It was her with, but I'm like, come on, you gotta have like. Well, that's because you've that's because you've seen a yummy my, meal, my scavenger or... hunts over the years. Yeah, and they're way. I mean, the end. I've been spoiled by our You've scavenger hunts. You've been spoiled hunts. by my scavenger hunts over the years. But there has to be something at the end of the tunnel that isn't just you. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. So we get into, they ask their questions there. This bothered me. I'm sorry. We can all acknowledge that this couple is probably going to end happily ever after. I mean, it's very much seems that way in after party. I mean, they're like, didn't you think? Oh, yeah. She's not, she can't fake it. No, she is smitten beyond and they're doing really well. And I think that they've grown a lot, but we need to talk about the fact. So we get a, have you been in love before question? Steve thinks he has, he's been in five serious relationships and he loved each one of them. 
And obviously that makes Noi feel a type of way. Like she's only been in love once and he's been in love five times. But we also need to remember this man is 38. Like he's been an adult for 20 years. So that's not that weird. And in my mind, it's actually, it's kind of a good sign that this person knows how to be in a committed partnership and isn't afraid of love. And you know what I mean? Like you could have had five, three-year relationships in that time. Yeah. That's not like, that's not a red flag to me. No. But he, then this becomes a point of contention. So she uses the fact that he has known he's loved five women, but he can't say it to me. I'm like, Noi, it's literally been 17 days. How many of the five? He didn't say. He said, I yeah. love you to all these women that uh, in the third week of knowing them. My point with the time frame, even breaking it down is like, you don't know when he realized he was in love with them. It could have been a couple months. It could have, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no, it makes uh, some of her, some, I don't know, some of her standards the she, or yeah. the way she goes. Like Make talks about things, it's and, yeah, connects things. That's it. It is bizarre, and I feel like she twists. I think it's just insecurity and a little bit of immaturity, like we talked about clearly with last week. But there's just certain times that it shows, and like he asks, like, "What do you see being in love?" She's like, "It's when my partner shows up for me in like the worst times, seeing the worst of me, and like loving me anyway. Like that's a big thing to her, and like." he sees it more as a connection and comfort and like ease and like the bond has to be really strong for him to know. And I was like, okay, you can just feel that the pressure is on and that all of his answers are like being looked at through a microscope right now because she's basically like, why haven't you said I love you yet? And I'm making it a thing. This whole, their whole segments was all a lead up to. I love you. I love you. Yeah. So Steve plans a three-week anniversary, the first picnic that was the poo picnic on the honeymoon, (laughs) ended with Noi kind of saying that she was falling, saying she was on the road to falling in love with him. He said, thank you for sharing. Thank you. Then, so Steve plans this picnic on the third week anniversary, and declares his love for her very cute yeah and here's the thing i i i mean again i do feel like she was putting a weird pressure on him and i didn't like he made a point to be like look just because we're married doesn't mean i can automatically be in love with you this is at the thing before yeah she was making it seem like we don't have time to waste we're married now and he's like yeah I don't become a husband and the next day wake up in love. Like his whole point was there's so much other stuff that has to come. Like just because we got married isn't a guarantee that it's going to work. He's talking about within the eight week experiment. Yeah. And she makes this face as if he's like saying like, well, at any time we could get a divorce, like being wishy-washy about marriage. And it's like, no, no. It's specific to the context of this experiment that he's saying. And so, I don't know. I didn't like the pressure that she, and like the twisting of what he, I just feel like he is so even keeled and like pretty mature and direct with the way he speaks. And 
the way that she can skew it, it just says a lot more about her and her insecurities than anything else. Yeah. And so, like, I could see people being a little bit concerned, like, oh, so, and then all of a sudden he loves her at, at his date. But the one thing I feel like I can be sure of is that Steve is not going to say something that he doesn't think and feel. Yeah. I feel like I can trust, like, she might, yes, she put on some pressure, but it seems like he, he's not just going to say it to say yeah, it. Yeah, like it to, seems to like it clearly instigated him really like sifting through his thoughts and feelings and feeling like, you know what? I guess I do. And maybe that's kind of crazy, but I do. And she's like, it's such a relief that he's finally said it in her interview. I'm like, no, I, it's literally day 20. I'm <sighs> done with you. I know. One thing I, I did want to touch on that kind of uh, it got addressed a little bit between them. I want to highlight the pro we didn't see this on camera but i want to highlight the proper way of dealing with conflict because i think they did a really good job after no uh, noodlegate and her disappearing mm -hmm. so they had a, con a conversation off camera and steve really stressed why and how he was so hurt by what she did. Oh, right. This came up at the name. And. Well, this was another example to me because she was so touched because he was on the verge of tears. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but I I don't think, I don't think it was the tears. For, I, I'm not I'm focusing on the tears. The, yeah. represent, they You're go right. with what he said. They go with what he said. You're right. But that is how you talk through and move forward yeah. conflict. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's... Well, it's by being... It's by admitting to the feelings. It's not... Exactly. And that was his... That was the thing that, like, melted her and took her out of her stubbornness was that he said, look, I was scared. I was scared of losing you. I thought I had lost you. I felt rejected. I felt abandoned. And he was, like, emotional... And that's when it clicked for her. Yeah. Like, oh, shit. I really effed up. And like now and on the other side of things, now I know he really, really cares about me, which she's obviously been telling herself a story since he said, OK, when she said, I love you, that maybe he didn't, you yeah. know, Mark and Lindsay take note. Yeah, and you're right. I thought that that was really sweet for all the crap we give the guys for their like well intentions that aren't usually good advice at their hangs. I thought that that was really sweet that Steve is the one. Well, I think that they showed it first. He brought it up to the guys mm -hmm. as an example of like, look, I know it's scary and hard to be vulnerable, but like, it's exactly what moved me and Noi to the next level when I said it this way. And then Noi told the girls the same thing. Overall, I still feel good about them. I kind of feel like last week was like, was maybe an aberration. I mean, I yeah. don't think it's like, I don't know. I don't think she's ever going to ditch him for a night again after they got through that and she realized how it impacted him. Yeah. No, I don't. That, that's not going to happen. The only other thing that I realized that we didn't, that, I mean, it goes with everything else we were saying, but in it's in my girl day notes section. I found it very stressful how adamantly Katina defends Olajuwon and tries to explain away his thoughts and behaviors. Oh, yeah. It continues to the group. I mean, it continues. Yeah, we just uh, haven't talked about, like, the social element of yeah, it. Yeah, Like, that's another part to me that show, like, it feels a little icky. 
because it feels like you're trying to cover and make stuff that we know in the comfort of your own home is making you really uncomfortable and sad. But like you're trying to like make it look all perfect. Yeah. And once again, it's I mean, she's doing it to protect him, but she is losing out on valuable insight from other people. Potentially. True. Very true. um, By keeping that hidden. One thing that I need to get to. Archery. (gasps) Dodgeball. I was wondering what you thought about this. Oh, my God. Oh, so that's what it was. Archery dodgeball. Well, I wrote it. I wrote down, is this archery dodgeball? Never heard it, never seen it. I thought it was more it. like archery laser tag. Well, I, of course, I've done my research on archery. <laughs> okay. It School goes by us. four different names. Okay. Okay, so we have archery dodgeball, archery tag, arrow tag, and my personal favorite, combat archery. <laughs> of all of the sport adjacent kind of things I've seen, this is by far... The coolest thing. I've um, never seen anything like it. They have they have specific centers in certain cities. I think Denver has one. Boston obviously has one. In Los Angeles, you can actually rent a fit, rent it. So like they will put on a party for oh, you. Oh, like in your own backyard or something. Yeah, and they bring the obstacles and they bring ah! everything. Um, Are you hinting at what you want for thirty five? Maybe. Maybe we are tree tag. <laughs> uh, let me live out all of my Lord of the Rings Legolas fantasies. Legolas. Legolas fantasies. That I mean, I I was at the edge of my seat watching our tree tag. That's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> it I, looked I just, fun. I, I love it. I love it. It looked fun. Combat archery, everyone. If you know where I can go play, hit us up. Hit us up. That's what Chris should be doing. Screw Nifa. Screw disc golf. Become a combat archer. It is sad that he had to miss it. Oh, yeah. He would have been all about it. Yeah. You ready for some power rankings? Yeah. Hit us with power rankings. All right. Coming in from first to worst. You know these are my favorite swings. First to worst swings. O and Katina at the number four spot. Wow. I'm seeing major issues. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. Um, coming in at number three, we have Mark and Lindsay. Do yeah. not let the sushi date and the fun park. I love how <laughs> they call it a fun park, by the way. Um, detract. This couple still has some things that we need to get Serious worked issues. through. Yeah. Coming in at number two, Jasmina and Michael. Yeah. And number one, Steve and Noy. We had declarations of love. Anytime that happens, you're going to find yourself towards the top of my power rankings. <laughs> Absolutely. That's good. That makes sense to me. It was a drama-filled episode this week. And next week is sex week. And I'm scared and excited. Intimacy week, I saw whips and masks and Dr. Viviana and... I saw a bull gag in Shark's Mouth and... No, you didn't. can't unsee it. I missed that. Oh, God. There's nothing I hate more. I can't unsee it. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's going to be so funny. His eyes are going to be bulging with the ball gag. Next week. I'm already, like, feeling anxious about it. Why? It's just going to be a week. Tim gets anxious when we have to, like talk too much on the pod about these things, but that's also what makes it hilarious to me. 
Come on, you're kind of excited for Intimacy Week. It's going to be, be fun. Fine. It'll be, we'll it's have It's going to be great. We'll have a gander, goose and a gander. We'll have a gaggle. <laughs> Everyone have an amazing weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.